Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 139. Episode 139? What? That's almost 140 episodes of the Apple Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. Woo! It's been a busy day. Sorry, this one's coming out a little bit later on Monday. Usually I kind of get them out early morning Monday, but this is now not so early Monday. Anyways, let's get started. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash apologue. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your mobile device. To download your free audiobook now and get your 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash apologue. Hey, Amazon shoppers. If you want to help my affiliate program that I have with Amazon and you're from Canada, go to appalogue.ca slash Amazon and you will be redirected to Amazon. Shop normally on Amazon. Every time you shop on Amazon, use that link or that URL and you will be supporting the show. If you're from the United States, go to appalogue.ca slash US Amazon. You'll be doing the same thing. It really helps the show out. And it's a very cool thing. Like I said, you shop on Amazon, like you cost you no extra money. And every time you shop, you'll be supporting the show. If you would like to support the show on a monthly basis, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with my hosting and gas fees. There's also some rewards there. So if you get to a certain amount per month, you will get certain things. It's cool. Check it out there and you'll be supporting the show. You can cancel at any time too. If you're interested in purchasing an Apolog t-shirt, they're going fast while they're running out, go to appalogue.ca slash shop. There's also something else there. You can buy my band Foursquare's discography for $20. It's over 70 songs for 20 bucks. Who needs to go to iTunes? We can get it for there for $20, everybody. If you're on iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell a friend. Give it some stars. You can like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash pod. You can check out what's happening with news and whatever's happening there. Seems like more actions there these days. You can follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today is part two. Part two is Graham Boyce. Graham Boyce is the owner, proprietor of a few businesses, one of them being Raw Energy, the other one being Tribe Nation. He was a ma- major player in that thing, early internet activity. He's been very... He's on the forefront of a lot of things, and he still he still does. He still does. So let's get back into the conversation. What he's basically talking about when we get back into it, he's talking about talking to people from the States, United States A&R people. Here he is, my friend Graham Boyce, part two on the Apple Podcast. We had great conversations with uh, producers in the States and A&R guys. Well, there's one the same down in the States. So A&R guys in the States would approach bands and, 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 and give them guitars and give them uh, the equipment they needed and give them bands uh, and make friends with them even before signing them. Well, we didn't have that clout. We certainly didn't have that money to throw around. But I'll tell you the other thing that the Americans can put into the equation that we couldn't, and that's something called production value. So... You know, if they can name drop like there's no tomorrow. Uh, so 
they would have a huge advantage. Uh, so-and-so has appeared on this album. So-and-so has produced this track or mixed this track or mastered this track. Uh, so-and-so has produced their video. He's their good friend. You know, that's the one thing the California bands could have. Uh, they could have access to this plethora of talent. Uh, call it skate talent if you want. But, I mean, it was diverse. It was unique. And, and it was a pot full of gold, quite frankly. And we, we, we couldn't compete against that. Um, you know, we could compete on every other level, but when it came down to production value and the kinds of things that they could bring to the table, as opposed to just the power of the music itself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that's one thing that we learned as well in terms of competition. So if you're to do it all again today, uh, could you bring production value to the table? It's the one thing, I'll give you an example. It's the one thing that Drake can do. You know, yeah. Drake, Drake, if he wanted to, could pull through a lot of Canadian talent. Uh, but he, he finds himself up against American talent that is knocking on his, uh, nipping on his heels would be a good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, there's well, yeah. no borders when it comes to that kind of thing. No, and I know, and I, I consider Drake to be an international person now, just like I, just like, you know, I would consider him as an international person, just like I considered Neil Finn. I don't consider him a New Zealander or an Australian or he's, he's a citizen of the world, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's my Drake. You know what I mean? Like he's just that entity and he's managed to pull it out of Scarborough and that's important, but that doesn't need to be his full story. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely not. Okay. What I'm saying though, is that it wasn't a label that discovered Drake. It wasn't a label that discovered the weekend. It wasn't, you know, yeah. not much of that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, who discovered Justin Bieber? I mean, believe me, I mean, YouTube. That, that's about it in the yeah. sense that was it a label who took the time to develop was it a management company that took no it wasn't no. Um, you know so at the end of the day uh, there's a range of factors involved here it's not just it's not just money it's not just production value it's not just product flow there's this range of other factors that need to be taken into consideration with developing a brand of entertainment that's going to be trusted by the youth of today honesty is I think is what you're saying is if it's honest and it's true people will will subscribe to it. And I think as people enjoy music, we're getting into a world now where we just listen to little snippets of something, go, eh, that's all right. And then our attention span so short that we're trying to grasp all this other stuff that it's really tough to say that this is my band. I discovered this band. And that, that doesn't happen anymore, you know? Unfortunately, maybe it will when the whole... Because you know how everything goes slingshots and comes back again, and then you throw it yeah. out and then it slingshots back again. I hope we're on that app right now where people are just getting too much information and go, okay, I don't want that information anymore. Just give me something, filter it out somehow. Like somebody's got to filter it out so I can find the music I like because it's getting to be impossible. And I think that's where the, the message is critical. So let's just go back for a brief moment to Marvel. I mean, one of the messages that they're really good at drilling home is good versus evil. I mean, it's one of the simplest messages in the world, I suppose has resonated for thousands of years. Uh, but it's something that young people can agree with, if you will. Uh, I, I can see that uh, as people get older, so you migrate from your early teens to your late teens, and now you want to resonate with new messages, messages of not good and evil. So there is some room, if you will, for maturity uh, in a positive way uh, to be brought up. And this is, this is where labels back in the really made their mark. Uh, they could recognize 
that truth, that honesty, not only in the individual, but in the music, the message that the musicians were putting out. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's what I think is missing uh, today. Uh, the, the personalities that are able to coalesce to bring those messages together as a powerful unifying force. And Alan Cross probably hit the nail on the head here when he said, when Donald Trump got elected, this is going to be a great era for punk rock. I mean, realistically, there should be an awful lot of really angry musicians soon uh, hitting the so-called charts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a I had an episode with Cam Carpenter, and he raised an important role of what the major labels did and contributed is that you would have a team of people like there would be your publicist your radio person and then your uh, person to deal with all sorts of other things and there was sort of four people on a team suspectively with including an A&R person that would all work for you in today's society it's one person who might be really good at writing songs but really hard just we will have no concept of how to speak to people and that is a that is a crutch that person has to to walk around on because they don't know how to project themselves as a person to the people like the industry people or even the public they they were somehow sculpted into these little rock and roll machines that would then go out on tour and say certain things and be told and coached by whoever was managing or all these things and that seems to be now you're sort of you're you're flipping the coin on who's really good at all of the stuff at the same time and that to me is kind of like a unicorn it's trying to find that one person who is really good at you know playing music promoting themselves working a computer recording music like these are three 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 important things that make a great album but then you have to publicize it you have to release it and then you get thrown into that big pool of Bandcamp and into itunes and i truly think that we need to break away from all of that as well and own what you've put out because if it's yours, you should be able to house it in your little home and sell it to people, you know, figuratively speaking, with, with the website and things like that. But that seems to get missed a lot. It does. Um, Cam Carpenter was one of the very first people I ever met uh, when I uh, joined the magazine back in the mid-80s. And he was, at the time, working with Quality Records, uh, a label now long gone. Oh, yeah. But the band he brought in was FM. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember meeting uh, Martin and the guy, Martin and Cam, and they were great guys. You, you know, here you are talking to FM, and I thought for sure I was going to get to meet Nash Slash. But, uh, you know, I didn't. But not until later on. You know, there's the other twist of fate. I, I ultimately did get to meet him, but he, you know, without the bandages. <laughs> I, I think his name was Greg. But uh, anyway, as, you know, so Cam Carver is a really smart guy, very talented guy, and he, he's had a lot of really good jobs in the music industry. He really know from a corporate perspective uh, the depth of talent that's needed behind the scenes uh, to promote not just the individual artists. Because, yeah, you could put together a machine uh, to promote, if you will, that one single act. And the, the English do it the best. Okay? You know, when it comes to promoting the, the one-hit wonders, uh, the English do it the best. Um, you know, not to say that the Americans aren't good at it either, because they more or less do it through TV. But when it comes to focusing on the music, you really, it's, you see, that, that's where uh, musicians kind of, not that they get mixed up, uh, but uh, they have to realize that, A, they have an ego, uh, and it's found on the stage when they've got the, 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 the 
the audience in the grasp of the, in the palm of their hand. They, they, they know it, they can feel it, they, and they play with that audience. Just those, those guys are great. And that's what we found really separated the men from the boys at the, at the raw energy level. Those guys who could really manipulate, and in a good way, uh, a crowd and, and really turn them on their head upside down, if you will. Um, and, and then, there, like I said, then there are other bands who don't have that ability. Uh, and they stay in the basement. They play great music for themselves. Um, because, you know, it's one thing to have an ego, but you, you can't throw that ego in front of a record label uh, because that's where you're talking about personalities. You've got to be able to gel with these people as human beings. You have to be able to tell these people, this is why you want to sell me, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's because I am great on stage. Um, you know, it's not because I'm, I'm great in what I have to say, uh, but look at what I can do with this audience. And it can grow from 50 people to 500 people to 5,000 people to 50,000 people. And to be able to command that audience, command that respect, uh, that takes a lot. That takes a lot of training and effort and coaching and expertise, like I said, on the back end. And you think about these days, take, for example, the sports industry or the fashion industry. Any industry that eats its young, you know, and like the music industry does, it requires an awful lot of people uh, to create that one star, if you will. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of youngsters. I, I used to go around to the high schools uh, during the Ryan days and for, for, for a few years after and give career day discussions on the music industry and how many different kinds of jobs you could actually get in the music industry. And if you think about it, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of jobs uh, that are surrounding, if you will, the artists uh, that make their essence, you know, that, that make it all true for them. Uh, it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen uh, the wave of a magic wand. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, a lot of smart people with a lot of integrity who need to know their shit. And whether you're talking about the publicists, the promoters, uh, the guy at the gurus who can put it all together. And, you know, these days, it seems to be a reliance on the entertainment lawyer. Uh, and he is great at connections, too. Uh, but when it comes to labels and messages, that's where you need that congruence of personality and, and where you really need and the glue. The music is the glue. Uh, it glues them all together because they all have a great time at that show. And that's important. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, if you can put those shoes together, you can stream them together and have a, have a tour, then, then you're on your way. But at the end of the day, you need an awful lot of talent behind the talent uh, with an awful lot of expertise in things like marketing and advertising and promotions and direct selling. Uh, you know, you do need those guys who have great smiles uh, who can walk in and sell uh, whatever it is that needs to be sold. Yeah. When you say music lawyers, it's funny because those are the people that put they put you in charge or in touch with um, a public or a you know, uh, to get publishing deals and things like that. And when you get publishing deals, then you're essentially turning your music into a commodity, which then gets thrown on TV or commercials or perchance a movie. And that's how people make their money now at, in music business. You know, it's not through record sales. And I, you know, I think what, what you're saying is totally true A message and the album and then live show. These are three strong pillars that are unfortunately kind of getting, it's sort of happening with like, festivals and things like that but it needs to be strengthened even more now that there's so much more other competitive ways of of monetizing your music and these are three things that were like 
they've been working since music was being played in front of people, period. These three things. And it seems to be pushed aside now with record sales. It's People don't care about record sales anymore. No, you're right. Uh, one of the things that blew me away when I went to New York one year a long time ago, uh, in the in the mid-90s, I went to a publishing house, and there must have been whew, hundreds of people in those offices writing songs, mm-hmm. collaborating on writing the perfect song, if you will. And uh, and that and when that's when you realize what you're up against in the commercial world. Yeah. Um, when you when you talk about yeah okay yes there's, there's, you've got yourself a hit song it's well known uh, and someone licenses it and you make a lot of money great good for you uh, but at the end of the day uh, a lot of the commercials that we hear uh, have been crafted by dozens if not hundreds of people uh, in terms of who has touched that song mm-hmm. hundreds of people have touched that song to get it from point A to point B and uh, it's not something that we take a, a long hard look at uh, being in the industry, but it's out there and it's a job. And there are people making money writing songs. Uh, and that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you, you can't really make an impact in the commercial realm these days uh, by making songs about your hatred of war, mm-hmm. for example. You're not going to go very far, quite frankly. Uh, with with Pepsi, if you come out on stage, you you're never going to make the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, <laughs> if you've got that kind of message, and and that's that's what I'm talking about. So, realistically, if you go out into the world and you see the kind of uh, hatred, the kind of poverty, the kind of things that need to be changed, that aren't being changed, that could be changed, by, for example, politicians, um, that's where musicians come in handy. Uh, they're the kind of guys who have the balls to say, this needs change. We need, we can do something about it. Me and my army are going to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that doesn't happen much in the commercial realm. So mm-hmm. that, that's where I'm agreeing in the sense that, uh, you know, that's where labels can really make an impact, really make a difference. Yeah. And they've got that kind of unity, that kind of feeling, that kind of passion that drives them forward. Yeah. And you mentioned about our, our orange-faced friend down south of the border, and the anger that will be spawned from it could possibly start a musical revolution that could possibly bring that back to the forefront and bring it back to the now, where it's like, you know, we need change, we need change right now. Unfortunately, it takes a big, a whole societal change for change. You know, you just one person could sit there screaming with a sign or, or putting their record out, but it takes a whole common thought of society to go, this is what we need to have happen. So maybe Mr. Trump down there, maybe maybe that's the best thing that ever happened to music, you know, is what you were saying. And I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I, I think what will happen is, is you'll, you'll, you'll find those guys who I, who I define who have that really good twist of the lyric. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the guys, not the guys who come out and say, Trump is an idiot. Uh, that's too straightforward. On the nose, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> At the end of the day, you need someone a little bit craftier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then when he's doing his interview, his late night interview, uh, when he's already making his millions, that's when he can make an impact. But I think what will come out of Trump is not necessarily, he'll, he will get de- de- dethroned. Uh, but what will come out of it will be a distrust of politicians, distrust of the machinery 
which we have heard from other great bands, speaking of machinery. Uh, but we've heard it all before, but not of late. Of late, we have been through the Justin Bieber ringer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where you've made your millions and now you're an idiot. Uh, or no, you're always an idiot. But um, in this case, I think what will happen is you'll get those true, honest to God, guys who want to, and gals who want to make an impact, who can make an impact through their music. Uh, it'll take a while. It'll take a year. But once that hits, uh, once they gel, and uh, once they begin to become a force to be reckoned with, um, take here's a great example. Take with the Beastie Boys. You know, they, they didn't come out singing about Tibet day one. No. But once they started singing about Tibet or speaking about Tibet, look at the millions of people whose lives they changed. Hmm. You know, at the, at the end of the day, like not just their music, but I'm just saying when they moved on and migrated to the political arena, if you will, they were a force to be reckoned with. Uh, other bands have as well, and I could mention a few names, and I'm sure you could too, but we don't need to be talking about them right now. We know what they've been up to. Yeah. But all I'm, all I'm saying is I think right now the timing is somewhat perfect, fertile ground uh, for good punk bands who aren't afraid uh, to take a stand, and there are some already. Um, but, I mean, take a conscious stand with the, both their music and their message. Mm -hmm. uh, and take it to a wider audience. And on, as you were saying earlier, you could take it to a wider audience via the commercial route. Mm -hmm. uh, if you happen to have a good entertainment lawyer, you happen to have a good connection with them. I mean, that's one way of doing it. And if you were to do it in a very smart way, yeah, you could achieve a great de degree of success. Uh, take a look, for example, here's a good example. Neil Young. Neil Young, uh, you know, love him or hate him. At the end of the day, he speaks his mind. And uh, he can afford to. Uh, but that's what I'm saying about when you're talking about a young band, they've got nothing to lose. So they too can speak their mind. And when you have nothing to lose and everything to gain, then why not? And it's that moment, you can kind of see that in bands. You, you see it when they hit that mark. Uh, wow, I make an impact. Uh, what I said last night at the show, wow, did you see those kids? They, they, they were gravitating to me. They really were listening. Well, yeah. You know, like at the end of the day, that's the kind of messaging that young people need to hear. Yeah. Uh, not because uh, they themselves can't fathom or think that thing through. They're already thinking they, it. They're already thinking they're it. Are, they're just being they told. They're already there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's exactly, that's exactly what's going to happen, I think, within the next year. Um, you're going you're gonna to see an awful lot of cities in America uh, become more so disgruntled. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Canada. Uh, with the changing of uh, the marijuana laws, we might become a much more mellow society. Uh, so <laughs> I don't mean maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll find the new the new Bob Marley as opposed to uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But at, at, at the end of the day, it'll be interesting to see what does come out of America yeah. uh, based on how corrupt their political system has become. Yeah, I mean we've already seen everything. You know, I was just thinking about two thousand and one when you know someone spoke out against Bush. Like when the Dixie Chicks spoke out against Bush and were like banned from radio. They were like, had death threats. They had a documentary they had to do about it because they were being threatened to be killed for speaking out. They weren't doing anything. They were just speaking out against Bush, who was apparently the big star as to why and was going to go get them terrorists. You know what I mean? Like, look at it today in 2017. Like someone says, oh, Bush is a, or uh, the, Trump is a, He's, a, he's an idiot. He's a moron. They say it on national television. They say it on talk shows. They say it on radio. He doesn't care. 
You know what I mean? That's the weird thing about it. But neither does society, because I think we're becoming dumber and dumber, just like the movie Idiocracy. I think we're becoming dumber, dumber people. And I think we need to, the smart people need to start having babies. I think <laughs> that's the message. I think they have. Yeah. Uh, if you take a look at, uh, if you will, if we're so-called middle age, mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, realistically, our children are going to be the ones most affected by uh, the political climate, not only in America, but in Europe and around the world, to be mm -hmm. blunt. Um, so they're the ones, our children are going to be the ones who are going to have to deal with tolerance. Uh, luckily, I think our children here in Canada are taught in a very tolerant way. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't see anything bad coming out of our children, uh, being brought up in a very multicultural, very forgiving, if you will, yep. society. Compared to uh, when we were, that? yeah, compared to when I was a kid, when we actually had real bullies. And like real people you were scared of, like people that could potentially kick the shit out of you in high school, that doesn't exist. There's no tolerance for that anymore. You know, I have kids too, and it's that's kind of a good thing. It's 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 uh, it's good to see. That's what I'm saying, and I and I think that is the type of thing that Canada can take around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I once argued, um, you know, what did really what did Canada really have to sell other than uh, beer, a poutine, you know, that that kind of thing. But as I've been around the world, the one and and the, the other thing, sorry, was music. But the, the other the other thing that nowadays what I see that we're really good at, uh, having been around the world, Canadians are the new Switzerland, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, in the global, we, we're not America, mm -hmm. and we're not England, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, England, not in the sense of the great colonial British Empire kind of bullshit. Yeah. But uh, and, and that's what America is nowadays. Now, I've met a lot of great English people and a lot of great Americans, yada, yada, yada. But when I go around the world as a Canadian, the one commonality I find is that uh, we're a very civil society. We're a very minded, tolerant society. Uh, and we can take that message into countries around the world. And I think our children are going to benefit from that. And quite frankly, it is going to be our children. So who are going to lead those children? Uh, the people who speak out and who speaks out first guaranteed it's your when you're in high school your kids and my kids it's going to be the, the guys who go into the band gals who go into bands form bands to because they have something to say mm -hmm. it's, that, it, that's going to be their message it is not going to be peace i don't think we're going to do that age of aquarius thing again <laughs> but they're going to wreck there's going to be that twist of lyric uh kind of like um when you two kind of got fed up with the troubles in Ireland yeah. and began to, began to sing about it and, and wanted to stop the troubles. Uh, that's when it all kind of made sense for a lot of people and Sinead O'Connor. And there's a lot of other great people who had something to say, let's just stop this killing. Let's just stop this terrorist activity. Yeah. That, you know, and, and realistically, we can, we, you and I can talk about all we want, oh, yeah. uh, but it's our kids who are going to have to stand up. And in this case, play the music, create the message, get the people that believe in that message and it makes sense that it's something worth fighting for. And I don't mean picking up a gun, but I mean, you know, make, taking a stand against the politicians who, who a good example would be very recently our own federal government just announced more money for defense, defense spending. And I'm sitting there going, man, I've been around the world. It's not, these countries I've been to don't need another soldier standing on the street corner who's incredibly well armed. They need a solar panel 
to, to plug in a light bulb so the kids can read at night and get a better education and finish actually finish school. You know, that's what these, these families are. And, and we will brand them as terrorists if all of a sudden one day they get angry and throw a rock uh, at a policeman and start a riot. And next thing you know, there's guns going off and explosions. And believe me, I've been to countries where that has happened. So I think our children are going to have to, we are going to be the umpires or the referees. They are Canadian children. And they're being taught right, if you ask me, mm-hmm. despite what the media might say. Sure. And, I, and I think our children, when they turn, well, my, some of my children have turned teenagers already. And some of them already are. Mm-hmm. And their friends already are upset about what's going on in the world. Yeah. They are conscious. We are lucky to have, uh, we are lucky to have the internet, quite frankly. Because yeah. they are able to learn things that we were we had no access to. Uh, I mean, raw energy got blown out of the water by the internet, quite frankly. Yeah. In 1999, when I was working at uh, the Iceberg, and we were, we were creating the Ranji radio show, and our radio show, we were uh, holding an archive. What's the word? It wasn't streaming. It was... Uh, Satellite? Was what? Internet? Well, it, it was... Uh, people were... Uh, they weren't downloading. They, oh, I forget what that first word was for streaming. But the point of the matter is, is uh, we went from 300 listeners to 3,000, 30,000 listeners. Uh, and that was in 97, 98. And then the internet just kind of blew up in 99 in the sense here in Canada. We were yeah. hardwired and we were getting uh, great signals, if you will. And we were listening to music from all around the world. And one of the things that, if you will, final nail in our coffin was all of our music all of a sudden became available for free uh, uh napster in napster yeah i mean we we were there was nothing we could do and it no. was too late it was, it was too late and uh you know and, and there's at that point where i was being offered a great job uh you know a job um uh being paid you know i mean i'd, I'd, I'd run raw energy for 10 years from 89 to 99 hadn't made a dime every minute every every dollar I made I put into the bands um, you know so by 99 I was offered a job being paid real money I, within a year I based on stocks I was worth over six million bucks I was living in China uh, you, you know what I mean working for a billionaire mm-hmm. like these are the kinds the kind of things that just seem unreal uh, but they were really happening to me uh, so you know, put all of that together and you kind of run with it and the one thing that I've noticed uh, since that time, since leaving raw energy behind me, is musicians do have an impact. They have something to say when they are relevant. And I think because of Donald Trump being elected and the antics that, that went on before him, quite frankly, during the presidential run-up, uh, it doesn't happen per se here in Canada. There's a new technology around the corner called blockchain. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Mm-hmm. The, it's the backbone uh, that's driving Bitcoin, for example. Mm-hmm. But that technology will drive a whole lot of innovation, uh, including uh, true democracy. Uh, you'll, you'll enable people to vote who've never had that chance to vote. For example, in remote communities, they can vote digitally. And in the past, people would say, well, we can't trust the digital technology. And quite frankly, I was in, I was in banks 15 years ago speaking to senior vice presidents, presidents of large banks on uh, web transactions. And they telling me people will never, ever, ever 
deposit money, take money, buy anything online. No way. That'll never happen, Graham. You don't know what you're talking about. So realistically, you know, that was just 15 years ago. Yeah. So I, I can well imagine that in 15 years' time, there will have been another re revolution, if you will. And it, it will be one based on the changes that are needed in today's global economy. And that is, there's, I'm going to hazard a guess and say a trillion poor people out there. And poor, I'm sorry to say it, underprivileged, whatever. We used to say third world. Now we say developing nation. Okay, but at the end of the day, they're poor. I've been to these countries. They don't have a thing. And they don't have any social uh, backup, social assistance, social welfare. They don't. Um, if you are poor and you don't have a job, you don't eat. If you don't eat, you're angry. Uh, so we you can either problem head on and do something about it. Um, and what, what we can do is encourage our children to do something about it. And if that involves uh, getting up on stage and making a speech, great. If it is involved, maybe three or four of them getting together, forming a band uh, and finding that power within themselves to get up on stage and sing about the evils of society. These are not new concepts. We've all dealt with this before, but yeah, I can see that happening again. I, I really can because there's a lot going on around the world that needs to be changed. Corruption is one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and, and that, that corruption we saw during the presidential election. And we see it now uh, with Trump as president lying his face off. People are going to get fed up with that in all of politics. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be the death knell of, well, hopefully corruption, but more so politics. Yeah, there's, the old there's a deep conspiracy in there that Trump was put in there or went in there willingly to break the system. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he understands like he's not he's not stupid. You know what I mean? Like there is a it's a funny conspiracy and it's pretty uh, it's pretty out there. But it's like I'm going to go in there. I'm going to break the system in half and I'm going to show everybody how ridiculous this is. And he's even said speeches where he's like, I can't believe I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, you all voted for me. Look at me now, you know? And so it's almost like, you know, he just went in there just to sort of like fuck shit up. So he could be the biggest punker of all of, of us all, really. <laughs> you know? That's one way of looking at it. Um, Chris Black will back me up on this one. I've never liked Donald Trump ever since the art of the deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he used his dad's money and used it up, quite frankly. Yep. And uh, he's he, there's been there was a great label. Uh, I'm just having difficulty remembering the chap's name. Canadian label out of Toronto called OPM, Other People's Money, and it was yes, it was a punk uh, label. But I uh, when I was at the Iceberg, I met the the chap who started that label, and uh, he was pretty funny and pretty adamant about not spending your own money to make music you know go out there and borrow money first but anyway i mean that's that's trump's way of doing things so right now he's riding on the public purse if you will and uh, developing his brand at the same time but that that rings hollow with me and i think if it rings hollow with me it's going to ring truly hollow with the younger generation who are going to be a lot more angrier than i am mm -hmm. and, and if that's true then look at it. And I think we're going for some really good music, some really good tours. Yeah. Some really good key messaging, if you will. Yeah. Good stand up uh, too. Good stand up. Yeah, yeah. With, without it, oh you that that was probably, you know, talk about the rebirth of Saturday Night Live. I yeah. mean I used to watch Saturday Night Live when uh, Dan Aykroyd would dump that fish fish in a blender. 
you know, that's how far back I go back uh, to see a good Saturday Night Live show. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it since. I heard, you know, there have been good, crazy antics on certain shows. But at the end of the day, I've never watched it since the uh, mid to late 70s. But talk about a rebirth of a TV show based on politics. Yeah. I mean, you know, there you go. So I think if that can happen, it's only going to be a matter of time before. I mean, take a look. What, okay, take a look what happened after Green Day and the Oscars. Well, Green Day went major label, right? They were yep. with Warner, Warner Brothers, I think. Yep. And the Offspring were with. Uh, 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 with Epitaph. Yep, Epitaph. Yeah. So, and, and then got signed to Sony because yep. Epitaph simply couldn't pay them. Yeah, and Sony I mean, Sony screwed it up, as far as I'm concerned. Unbelievably, um, but that that's the reality. So, it's not going to take too long uh, before some A and R genius, and I do mean genius, realizes that it's a very big market out there of angry young people who want to see some change happen and want some leadership somebody to stand up and say i want change you know uh, and now i'm thinking of that movie where the guy's screaming out the window i'm not going to take it anymore hmm. um you know at the end of the day that's what's going to happen i think it's what's going to drive change in the music industry it's what's going to revitalize the music industry uh and it's not going to be about trump uh, but it's going to be about the system. Yeah. And and when I mention words like that, now I'm even thinking of bands who have, uh, in the past few years, tried to make a change. But all I'm saying is, is when it comes to fertile ground, these next few years, when when they when the world, not just America, when the world discovers how corrupt their systems are, how corrupt the politicians are, and it's not just Trump taking advantage of a system. It's about a lot of the, the family members, the people in your community, who all of a sudden you can't trust. Are they really a better system for our kids? And the answer is no, they're not. They're padding their own pockets. They're, they're making money for themselves, not for their children, not for our children. And that's going to breed animosity. And out of that is going to come anger. And out of that is going to come great music. And out of that is going to come change. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do agree. I think we're going to, I think we're going to great. I'm looking forward to it, uh, rather than rather than guns and bombs. Yeah. Uh, no, that that's what I think. You know, I mean, it'd be it'd be almost hippie-ish of me to say that the government should put money into uh, the music. And I, I don't. I'm a I'm a libertarian. I don't, I don't agree with uh, public money funding any business, including the music industry. Uh, but at the end of the day what Canadians can do on a global level is make great music that makes an impact and be recognized for it. Like you were saying about Drake, he's not a Canadian, he's an internationally recognized star mm -hmm. who, who is adored by millions of people around the world for what he is saying. And, uh, you know, so the, I think guys like that, uh, are to come back around, if you will, and make an impact and play great music, not just rap. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think and I think it's an interesting combination. That could uh, be the new angry music, though, is rap. Because my son listens to the new rap, and it's sort of like, it sounds angry. It's not maybe not what they're saying, but it sounds more angry. <laughs> you know, I remember in, like, 90s hardcore rap was sort of like, it was all about fucking chicks and drinking booze and fighting. and But it seems more charged uh energy wise with negativity you know and i'm there's one guy singing about percocets and i'm like what what's going on with this guy like why is he singing about percocets like and my 14 year old kid is listening to it i'm like 
wait a minute, I don't want to censor you from this because if I tell you this is garbage, which I truly think it is, then you're going to listen to it more. So <laughs> I never win. I won't win. Um, you know, how, how old are yours? So uh, my, my oldest just had his birthday today, actually. So let's see. He was born the same year that Ronergy was born in 1989. Yeah. And then uh, my next is uh, he turns 14 in three days. Mm-hmm. And the, the next one is 11. Mm-hmm. So right now, right now, you know, they are like your, your kids is, is what we would call rap music. But it's it's the antithesis of what we would listen to, for example, when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And it's like why we would listen to music that is different than what our parents would listen to. Yeah. There's no, there's no change. So what I was saying is, is it's about the message. It's about what they're saying. Now, can my kids relate to American gang issues? Mm. Uh, not really. Um, but uh, is it gonna, is it gonna give them something to talk about in the schoolyard? Uh, and the answer is yes. So. And where do they get that from? They get that from YouTube. I mean, that's, you know, that's the key differentiator between all of this. Um, among the millions of YouTube stations out there, there only seem to be a few that are politically motivated, if you will, uh, that make sense for young people. And, I, and when I say make sense, I mean uh, are relevant to young people. Yeah. yeah. And it's different. It's different because they're, they're not... Uh, of age when they went to a club uh, by then they're already thinking of their university education they go to the university a lot younger nowadays um, and they get out a lot younger uh, but what what kind of job are they going to have um, so realistically they, they and they don't know it but they've only got a few years to make that monumental change um, am I going to follow my heart or am I going to follow my brain you know mm-hmm. at that at that tender teenage yeah. turning point you yeah know? and it's, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens but but on a macro level uh i really think that the the, the trump elitist if you will uh the, uh, trump leading the way um but all around the world it's happening yeah. um where, where you have guys who think guys in particular but not exclusively who think they have the right uh to the resources of the world uh, for example, water. I mean, sooner or later, young Canadians are going to realize that one of the things that we have is water. Fresh, clean, drinkable water. And pretty soon, they're going to realize how uh, expensive it is around the world to drink clean, good water. And uh, could you, you believe me, you, you don't realize it when, when, you, when, you're, when you're traveling, but your, your lettuce has been washed with very dirty water uh just for example and uh you know it's hard not to eat food when you're traveling uh if you think in those terms your ice cubes uh, oh shit that bottle of beer was just sitting in a whole bunch of ice cubes it was made from really shitty water mm-hmm. at the end of the day uh, our canadian kids are going to realize that water is one okay before it was trees i remember that you know whether we're trying to save the whales or save trees or you know blah blah, blah. at the end of the day Young people are always going to get motivated by some cause, some concern. And this is one of them, water. Uh, that northern polar ice cap is melting. It's melting really rapidly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's making water levels rise around the world. 
a lot of coastal cities are going to find flooding to be a pretty major problem. Uh, I've just been down to the waterfront the other day, and I can't believe how high the water levels are in Lake Ontario. And if we release that, even something like if we release an inch, uh, it'll flood out Montreal. So we would rather have higher water levels here flooding our beaches uh, rather than release it through Cornwall, through the dams, and flood out Montreal. So it's a very serious problem, uh, but it's kind of a good problem to have, to have this much clean water at our, at our disposal, but not if it's owned by Nestle. So at, at the end of the day, uh, I think our Canadian kids are going to realize uh, we live in a country that's safe and civil, and we're smart, and we're educated, and we have to protect these resources. We can't allow corporate agendas to take over what is a right. It is our right to have access to clean drinking, especially our own, yeah. clean drinking water. Yeah. Uh, and we have to protect it, mm-hmm. um, protect that right, that is, and protect the water. And, of course, going hand in hand with that is the fish that swim in it. And then you'd argue, okay, well, wait a sec, they pee in the water. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think our kids are going to get angry about that. Uh, but there's lots of things to be angry about, not just Donald Trump. And, yeah. and, and that is definitely one thing that they're going to get angry about in a couple yeah. of years when they realize how big and powerful and nasty Nestle is. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like living in a house with a bunch of other dudes who don't do the dishes. The dishes just keep piling up and up and up and higher and higher and higher. And then finally, that one guy gets kicked out. And then all the dishes get cleaned and everybody gets along again. It's it's all going to just sort of ebb up to that thing and be like, shit, I can't do this anymore. And then the problem goes away and then we spend the other half of our lives trying to put it all back together. You know, and that's <laughs> that's 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 our life, right? I mean, well, shit, man, we have been we've been going on. I think this is going to be a two-parter. I really do. Uh, everything you've said has been awesome. I, uh, you know, dude, I, anytime you want to come on the show, I, uh, I really appreciate you. I mean, we didn't, we kind of touched like, the raw energy days and that was sort of the 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 reason why you know you get in the show but there's other things that you do that i need to talk to you about and i i want to make more of a of, of a spotlight on that like investing and in, in all these things that you do now that's uh that's a whole other show so uh yeah, no worries um yeah I, I i didn't i didn't know what you were actually going to ask me about so uh, i wasn't really i wasn't really prepared i didn't do any research at all oh it's all uh, good so I, I just went off uh, the cuff there, and uh, I'd be more than happy to come back and yeah. uh, share some more insights I've learned along the way. Yeah, and you've always been a really good supporter of my my career, like with my music, with with recording and bands. And I've recorded, I think, four bands on your on Raw Energy, at least. And uh, you were always like, I remember when you worked at Travis, and you brought me in to speak about my recording studio and things like that. So. You know, I have to give you, you know, thank you for that because that's it. That's what we need in society. That's is that sort of like, that guy's a good guy. Bring him in. He's okay. I mean, that's what we're missing out sometimes today now, especially with people trying to make their career happen. You know, it's it's a tough yeah. go out there, man. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is what you had said earlier about that level of connectivity. I mean, people kind of, for some peculiar reason people expect it of me. Mm-hmm. Um, Ask Graham, he'll know. Graham always <laughs> knows someone. Uh, and and to a large extent, it, it kind of happens. Um, not because I make it happen, but just because I somehow make it happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's just one of those things, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, without a doubt, I mean, 
the raw energy days uh, were a huge part of my life. It's been, but realistically only 10 years, yeah. uh, 89 to 99. Um, but it was, like I said, it was only very recently that I realized how many pieces of product. I, I don't mean if you add up the cassettes and the CDs, you know, and, the, and we actually put out vinyl too. Mm-hmm. Um, three pieces of number. We put out a 12-inch dance remix for King Cup Scaly, a 12-inch dance remix for Top Secret, our rap band that we signed, because uh, we got sold on the, uh, well, these guys are the punk rock of rap. Okay. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, we put, out their, we put out their record, and they actually got into a fist fight on the way to Montreal. Uh, half the quote-unquote band jumped out the band and walked back to Toronto. I think they were in Coburg or something. Uh, and that was it. That was, they broke up. That was the end of that band. That was the end of our investment. It was gone. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, they had somewhat of a, a decent hit at the dance club scene, unbelievably. Mm-hmm. And, and the third piece of vinyl product we put out was, was it from Croatia uh, or Slovakia or Slovenia? Slovenia. And uh, his name is Dushan. And, uh, and, and I just, I literally just saw him just a, a couple of years ago with Chris Black and had lunch with him. And uh, he tried to get me involved in the Eastern European scene to bring my expertise there because it's a huge market. Uh, there's a lot, apparently there's a lot of angry people in Eastern Europe these yeah. days. So uh, but anyway, so the point of the matter is, is uh, Paul Shaw brought to my attention that there's actually, uh, there were actually 53 titles not not pieces of product, but 50 titles that were put out on the raw energy label. Uh, I'd, I'd never stopped to count. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. To well, know that we put out that much. Absolutely. And in 10 years too. So that's a lot of product per, per, per year. And that's a lot of work that goes into it. And some of it really worked and some of it was never listened to by anybody. But that's the that's sort of the chance you take in the music industry is you you push your be- put your best foot forward and you go on your gut and you go on, you know, you have to have some business sense, but a lot of it's on gut and feel like I, I have a feeling about this and I have a feeling that this is going to be successful. And I, you know, and you know, from what I learned tonight is that there was also a message. There was also a part where it was like, what do you have to say? And how are you going to say it? And, and how are you going to frame it? Like that's important as important as it is, is it going to make money? Is it going to get played on the radio? Is pe- are people going to buy it? You know, and these are things that the first thing came from you is the message, and that's that's cool stuff. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you have a, you know that's that's you know that's your that's your legacy. That's why you know what I mean. That's that's what you have you've brought to the you know to the Canadian music industry table, and that's what you're good for. Thank you. And it was because of people like you also had a like-minded appreciation of the music. And not just the musicians, mm-hmm. uh, but the music. Um, you know, you had migrated. Uh, I knew you from Kingpin, yeah. and you had migrated from uh, Al's group. Uh, you know, to to the downtown scene, if you will. And uh, we, in no way, ever espoused control of that scene, but we were seen as controlling that scene, even though we didn't. Yeah. Uh, we, we were always hoping for uh, another great punk rock label to come, but they always saw us as the enemy. Uh, you know, so as, as much as we wanted to build this huge, like, revolution, if you will, yeah, uh, 
you know, we we were we we were actually viewed as the corporate. At the end of the day, we were, we were the corporate enemy that that had to be dethroned. Yeah. Well, my favorite story of you is I've been saving it for a whole podcast. Is when we did a you did a Christmas show with Trigger Happy. I can't remember who else was on it, but you broke a bottle over your own head. And yes, that's, yes, yes. that guy owns that record label that has done so much. And here he is breaking a bottle over his head. And dude, that's the most punk rock thing I've ever seen in my life, you know? And, you know, and then I threw the tree in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> There's people with tree lights all in their face. But that was like, like one of those things for the ages. The memories of something like that says, you know, it inspires you because it's like, that guy is supposed to be responsible for everything. Here he's breaking a fucking bottle over his head. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there was there was some there were some pretty wild moments, I must admit. Uh, you know that that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, Graham, give me your ten wildest moments. Yeah, it's true. Well, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a whole episode. <laughs> just to, maybe we should have a segment on the show as Graham's wild days, and it'd just be like <laughs> the five minute story of you telling the story, and somehow we'll reenact it and and uh, and do what they do, and that they'll animate it on YouTube, and it'll be you animated, and yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, uh, you know, let's let's keep in touch. Thank you very much, Simon. Happy belated birthday. It was oh. the reason we got together, actually. Well, that's true. Thank you. That was Graham Boyce, everybody. A good man, a good heart, good soul. God, it's been going on twenty-five years. I've known this person for twenty-five years. A lot can happen in twenty-five years. So there you go. That's the episode. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to part two. Uh, and don't forget to go to appalock.ca slash Amazon or appalock.ca slash US Amazon to support the show. It's it's what they call in the biz is a redirect. So when you hit that URL or, or type in that URL, you will be magically transported over to Amazon and nothing else has to be done from there. Every time you shop on Amazon, use that Thanks for everybody for checking out my Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash appalog. And uh, thanks for checking out the website, everybody. Um, news. There's some news. Um, I've had the most downloads in a month ever this month. And it's still coming in. And, you know, I don't usually post my numbers, but when I first started the podcast, I was getting about 20 downloads a week. And now I'm getting almost 500 downloads a week so that's progress everybody and it took 138 episodes to get there and the numbers just keep getting bigger and bigger and i know the summer compared to last summer it's usually summers are a little busier i don't know why i don't know why usually i thought people would be doing more things with their lives than listening to podcasts but no numbers are usually generally higher around now but yeah almost 2,000 downloads this month and it's um they're still coming in you know and it's usually it's working out to be almost 100 100 a day now for some reason and uh and it's on average it's not just because of this week when i first did the podcast and i had someone popular on the show it would be like you know pretty sizable pretty good but then it would go away then there'd be nothing after everybody downloaded that episode but now there seems to be a growing interest in the podcast and it's taken almost two years to do and every week i pump one of these suckers out and i really enjoy doing it and um i'll keep doing it and uh what i want from you guys i want you go to itunes and go put some reviews in there i want you please give it as many stars as you can 
Let me know where I'm going wrong. Let me know where it's happening. Let me know. Anybody you know be on the show. Like, you know, suggest people. Get in touch. Be, this is your podcast, too. Go to appleout.ca slash contact, and you'll be able to um, let me know what you want, you know, or comment on the shows when you go to the website and you watch it. But please, please be active. Let me know what I'm doing right. Let me know what I'm doing wrong. It's very helpful, and it really helps the show on a whole. And, you know, like I said, it's my show. You listen to it. So, okay. If there's anything to be said from that, and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a secret word in. Like a norm- Sometimes I do. I'll put a secret word in, and I'll give away something. This will be discography download, everybody. It's a $20 um, rate. <laughs> 20 bucks. So here's the secret word, okay? Middle finger. It's two words. Middle finger. So uh, get in touch with me over Twitter or over Facebook. Middle finger, and I will send you four squares discography, 72 songs. Okay, everybody so next week next week next week everybody have a good one we'll see you later bye